Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. You know, one day Jesus called 12 men to come up to a mountain to him, and the Bible says that he ordained them at that point to be apostles. The word apostle means one sent. You know, the Bible talks about a lot of apostles, but these were specifically apostles of the Lamb. There was one apostle of God. Jesus Christ was sent by God as an apostle of God, a representative, a messenger sent by God with a specific purpose. But then there were also 12 apostles of the Lamb. And then there are many apostles of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we see that these apostles, when Jesus called them, he called them to be with him and to send them out to preach. It's interesting that he told them in Acts, the first chapter, it's recorded in verse 8, that he told them that you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. On the day of Pentecost, he was speaking about. You shall receive power. That, that concept of power, that Greek word for power, dunamis, is a concept of miracle working ability, strength, might, force. You shall receive the ability to be a witness after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, that word witness is a Greek word that we get the word martyr from. It literally means martyr. So martyr is not necessarily someone who dies in that understanding that we have of dying, but it's someone who is already dead, who is living an abandoned life. They have decided that they have already given their lives. You know, you don't have to die a physical death to be a martyr in this sense. But we should be living as witnesses unto Christ. Well, little did these disciples know at that time that Jesus called them that they would be required to give so much. You know, they were happy to be called and, and they believed that he was the Messiah, but they imagined he was going to set up his kingdom on the earth and they would rule and reign with him. They did not realize that he was going to ultimately, you know, be arrested and crucified and die, be resurrected. And then the responsibility, after he ascended up into heaven, the responsibility of carrying forth the work of the gospel was going to come up on their shoulders. And they too would follow in the same suit as Jesus. Many of them, you know, uh, tortured, persecuted, as was Christ. And ultimately gave their lives in defense of the gospel, refusing to deny that Jesus is the Son of God, Savior of the world. Peter, for example, the Apostle Peter, uh, you know, he lived a fairly long life, you know, uh, perhaps, you know, uh, in his late 50s, early 60s, most likely. And in, in about the year 66 or 67, uh, the account of Peter is that he was taken to Rome under Nero and under the persecution of the Christians there in that, in that era, and that he was crucified um, instead of, you know... Um, um, denying Christ, because of the way he lived for Christ, he was counted as an enemy of the state, and he was crucified. The last request, according to the early church fathers, as they give us this church traditional account, 
is that his last request was to be crucified upside down, feeling that he was unworthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord and Savior, Jesus, was. We understand that that request was granted. Andrew, his brother, what happened to him? Well, it's believed that Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross and uh, in Greece. And that while the cross was leaning on its side and, 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 and Andrew to one side, we are told that he continued to share the gospel of Jesus Christ from that cross. He continued to talk about salvation and forgiveness of sins. And up to his last breath was encouraging people to accept Jesus, the same Jesus he had always preached. But there he died a martyr's death after having lived a martyr's life. How about Bartholomew? You may know him as Nathaniel. Well, uh, sadly, most agree that uh, while Bartholomew, Nathaniel, was preaching the gospel in Armenia, he was arrested, and it is a little graphic, but he was flayed to death with a whip, a cat of nine tails that, that tears your flesh. Literally, he was beaten to death with a whip as the whip ripped his skin off. All the while, him refusing to deny his faith in Jesus Christ so that the torture would stop. Thomas, y'all remember doubting Thomas? <laughs> well, you know, after Jesus appeared on that Sunday after his resurrection, a week after his resurrection, and showed Thomas his nail prints in his hands and his feet, Thomas cried out, my Lord and my God, and, and, and Thomas committed his whole life then uh, we understand that Thomas went to India and is responsible for sharing the gospel in India. Uh, in fact, the nation of India, the Christians in India, credit Thomas with bringing the gospel and salvation message to them. But while Thomas was establishing a church in India, uh, some, some people were upset at his claims. And he was stabbed with a spear, we are told, and later died from that wound. You know, there are a lot of Jameses in the Bible. James, the son of Alphaeus, according to tradition, you know, this is James the less, by the way. According to tradition, uh, James was, was preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like Stephen, that deacon. He was sharing it in Jerusalem, and, and, and a group of scribes and Pharisees took him and took him up to the, to, the, to the wall of the temple and threw him off the wall. And when he hit the ground, it was a favorite thing for them to do uh, to people that they felt like were blasphemous or heretical. And uh, they just did not believe that Jesus was Messiah. And these scribes and Pharisees not only stoned him and pounded him and pelted him with rocks, but we are told, and again a little graphically, uh, tradition tells us that he was beat in the head with a fuller's club and literally his brains were beat out. James, the son of Zebedee, who was the brother of John, the apostle, the apostle that lived the longest, you know, but James, the brother of John was the first apostle. You can read it in Acts chapter 12, uh, verses one and two, but he was put to death by Herod by the sword. Uh, and you remember Peter was also going to be put to death at that time, and he was in jail, but an angel woke Peter up and got him out of jail and got him out of town. But, uh, you know, Jude. Do you remember Jude? You know, we credit him with writing the book of Jude, also known as the Apostle Thaddeus. 
uh, well, Jude taught the gospel in Armenia. He became an, uh, a missionary to Armenia and also to Syria. And then he began sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in Persia, which is now the modern-day country of Iran. And there in Persia, we were told that he was martyred by the Magi. Now, not the same group of Magi, certainly, that came you know, and announced the birth of Jesus or brought him presents, but uh, out of that same group of uh, Magi uh, who felt as though that Jude was teaching something that they did not want to accept, and there he was martyred. Philip, not Philip the evangelist who was a deacon, but Philip, the one Jesus called to him, you know, to be an apostle, that disciple Philip. According to historians, uh, Philip's death was exceedingly cruel. It seems that while Philip was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, those who differed with him, differed with him so much that spurred on by the spirit of the Antichrist, they took hooks, metal hooks like you would hook into the legs of an, an animal and pull them upside down, you know, uh, and they did that to him. They hooked it in his ankles and drew him up upside down and, and there he hung upside down for a long time until he finally died sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who were, you know, torturing him. You know, these men didn't sign on for this, you know. They didn't realize the cost that Christ, their leader, would pay, nor did they realize that this world is so cruel and those who fight against the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ would have such heart so as to torture and execute these disciples. Simon Simon the Zealot, Simon, Simon Zelotes, as he is called. Once again, very little is known about Simon, whether inside or outside of the biblical accounts, but uh, all that is really known about his death is that Simon also was crucified. How about the Apostle John? <laughs> well, you know, the Apostle John is the only one of these original disciples that did not die a gruesome death as it were even though the apostle john was persecuted even though he was tortured even though he was exiled he was exiled to the isle of patmos you may remember where he penned the book of revelation as jesus dictated it to him but then he was released and taken back he went back up into your asia specifically to ephesus and we're told that after writing the gospel of john in first second and third john john the revelator the elder apostle of Christ, perhaps near a hundred years old, he died a natural death uh, after having seen so much and gone through so much. There he died a natural death at about, you know, near the age of 100. Well, we've covered 11 of the apostles, and you know the story of Jude, how that Jude, you know, um, lost his apostleship. You know, uh, it was something that was prophesied out of Psalms 109 in verse 8 that another person would take his place. And in Acts, the first chapter, along about verse 20, 20 to 26, we see that after Jude had hung himself, and uh, that's really a graphic account, um, and lost his 
apostleship, the Bible prophesied that another would take his place. And so the disciples, in reading this and in quoting this scripture in Acts chapter 1, they got together and they cast lots uh, to determine who that new disciple would be, who that new apostle would be, because they imagined they needed 12, and they chose Matthias. Well, some people imagine that Matthias was the legitimate choice, and others think that perhaps the Apostle Paul was the legitimate choice. But whichever one you may um, choose as that new 12th bishop, Matthias, what happened to him? Well, <laughs> he was apparently stoned and beheaded uh, late in the first century. If you choose the Apostle Paul, well, uh, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul, by the way, declared himself to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, you know, not just sent by the Holy Spirit, but an apostle, you know, uh, called by Jesus Christ, anointed and appointed for a very specific work. And he said, you know, more than 16 times in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said, uh, you know, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ, called by Jesus Christ, appointed, anointed, sent specifically with a purpose to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. I don't come behind in, in any other apostle. I am as much an apostle as any of the other apostles, he said. And I am an apostle, uh, you know, as, as though I were a man born out of time. In fact, he said, Jesus himself appeared to me last. You know, he appeared to the other disciples, but to la lastly, he appeared to me and called me to be an, uh, uh, an, an apostle as a man born out of time. First Corinthians 15 verse 8 says that. But we might conclude that, that Paul was the, was, you know, I don't know. But, you know, and I, Listen, be glad that you don't have to take a history test to get into heaven. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Uh, whether a Bible history test or any other history test. You know, I am so glad I don't have to take a Bible test to get into heaven. You know, um, uh, you know uh, in fact, I don't have to take any test. <laughs> All I have to do is, you know, declare my faith in Jesus Christ, my sincere trust in Him as Savior and Lord, Son of God, Messiah to the Jews and Savior of the world. And once I call upon His name, I recognize I need a Savior, I repent of my sins, and I receive Him, call upon His name, then I am saved and that's it I get into heaven whether I'm you know, um, you know smart as a philosopher or you know dumb as a stump you know uh, I'm so glad be glad you don't have to take a history test to get into heaven but nonetheless it is very important to me and you know to you that we study ourselves study to show ourselves approved unto God that we actually know a little bit about the Bible and history and that we should know as much you know, as, as we can know, uh, it intrigues me. The Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search a matter out. And we are kings and priests in the kingdom of God. And so it really does intrigue me, as it did you know, the early church fathers, to look into these matters. And as I said, uh, you know, uh, uh, as we look at the Apostle Paul as perhaps the, the 12th apostle, um, we realize the Apostle Paul just, he didn't just get up one day and say, I think I'm going to have my head cut off today for Jesus. I'm going to stand up for Jesus and Nero is going to order me to have my head cut off. No. Mm -mm. Uh, just like Jesus and just like the other apostles, the Apostle Paul lived the life of a martyr. You remember we said the best way to give your life for a cause is to live for it. 
The best way to die for a cause is to live for it. To die to your own ambitions, to die to your own selfishness, to die to your own desires. You know, uh, that's all we're called to do, to die to the old nature. And to decide that we are going to live for something that is greater than our life. Live for something and give our life to something that will last beyond our lifetime. The greatest way to give your life for a cause is to live for it. This brings us to our passage of Scripture today in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's read it beginning at verse 24. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's giving a defense of his life. And listen to what happened to him during his life. From the Jews, Paul said, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Hold on a second. Five times he received 39 stripes from the Jews. And three times he was beaten with rods. You know, that may have been enough for me to have said, hold on a second. I may have you know, chosen the wrong profession, you know, uh, I mean, how many times do you have to be beat? And look, he said, and once I was stoned. You remember at Lystra? He was stoned at Lystra and drug out on a trash pile and left for dead. And then the Spirit of God raised him up and he went back in the city and started preaching that same Jesus, that same message. <laughs> wow, what a life. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent, you know, in the deep, floating around in the ocean. I don't want to float in the ocean, you know, not a day and a night. Everything he did, he did for Christ and as a result of having given his life to Christ. He says in verse 26, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. My goodness, he had a perilous life. I'm not suggesting that we have to go through these things, but I am suggesting that the Apostle Paul lived like a dead man. And he lived for Christ. The way he gave his life to Christ is he gave it all to Christ. He continues in verse 27. Uh, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And besides all of these things, these other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Not only was the Apostle Paul concerned about the gospel of Jesus Christ going forward and giving his life for that cause, but he was also concerned, greatly concerned, for the churches. He carried with him a burden for what was going on inside the houses of worship. He had this great burden, this deep concern that people would continue to, to make church a part of their every day, every week, you know, every life experience. Paul did not just get up one day and decide that he was going to die for Jesus in the church. You know, he lived for it. He lived for it every day, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and telling others about Jesus in everything he did. You know, all of his life, all he wanted to do was just tell people about Jesus, whether teaching, you know, in the synagogues or, you know, making tents in his workshop, 
whether he was in a palace telling a king or an emperor about Jesus and, or, or, or whether he was in a, in a prison talking to a thief or whether he was arguing the point with philosophers, Greek philosophers on Mars Hill or whether he was sharing his heart with a runaway slave, Onesimus, for example. You know, the Apostle Paul told everybody he met about Jesus. It didn't matter whether they were rich or poor whether they believed it or didn't, whether they were a threat to him or a blessing to him. Why? Because he had given his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ and everyone he met in every situation. He understood that he was there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He introduced Jesus into every situation. That's what happened to him whenever he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus had promised, and you shall receive power, the ability to be a witness. Not just to witness, but to be a witness. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. You shall live a martyr's life without being embarrassed telling someone else about Jesus. He even wrote about it. In Romans, the first chapter, verse 16, the apostle Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not embarrassed about the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, whether they are Jew or whether they are Gentile. It doesn't matter. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. He said this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to save. No wonder, believing this and feeling this way, no wonder, that, that he committed his life. No wonder these other apostles, even on their cross, even, you know, Andrew on the tilted X-shaped cross, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with his dying breath. Why? Because he believed that it was the only way that people could be saved. Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. You know, I'm telling you today that a lot of people paid a great price to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we may not be called to pay that price. In fact, I trust that we aren't. So how much easier is it for us to simply share Jesus with others? To introduce him into our conversations, whether we are dining with kings or, or perhaps in jail or, or maybe a teacher. You know, uh, uh, Paul was a teacher for, for two years in a school in Ephesus. And Paul taught. He, but but as, a, as a teacher, as a school teacher, he, he shared Christ. You know, he, he spoke, you know, with philosophers. He shared Christ. He spoke with people in jail. He shared Christ. He shared Christ on the road with people that he met. He shared Christ with people who would visit him. You know, in his tent making, he shared Christ. Is it too much to ask you? Because I don't think anybody's going to throw rocks at you. Oh, they might throw a few words at you. I don't think anybody's going to crucify you. Please don't be embarrassed. Please don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the only hope of salvation. In closing today, allow me to read one of my favorite scripture combinations. What is a scripture combination? Well, a scripture combination 
uh, is, is when we link scriptures together that, 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 that have, you know, um, have common meaning. You know, and in context, uh, they, they, they make a chain and they make us stronger. You know, uh, in 1980, I learned this scripture chain. In fact, we even sang it in the first church that I pastored. And, and uh, you know, and, uh, that, that was one of the, way we, the ways that we taught our, our people how to memorize and how to use and to encourage themselves with the scriptures. And I continue to encourage myself with these two passages. The first one is Galatians 2.20. And the second one comes from Colossians 3.1-3. through 3. Instead of reading it, let me just quote it to you. And I, I learned it in the King James Version, so it has, you know, um, uh, some King James words in it. But let me just tell you, because it's, it, it's something that I use to encourage myself whenever I come up against a situation. And I might be feeling that this could cost me something. It could, you know, somebody could think less of me, perhaps, in this setting if I shared something about Jesus right now. If I introduced Jesus into this moment, you know... Many times the Holy Spirit will bring this back to me. It begins Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It reminds me that I'm crucified with Christ. But I'm alive because of Christ. You know? And then right behind that, I always quote Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sits at the right hand of God, set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. For you are dead, the Apostle Paul said. He was saying that to me. You are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Today I remind myself as I share this gospel that I am crucified with Christ Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live only by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. If I then be risen with Christ, I'm going to set my affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Why? Because I'm dead. And my life, my real life, is hidden with Christ. God. Wow. Today, my encouragement to you is simply this. Find a way. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Okay? Don't be weak. Okay? Receive the power of the Holy Spirit to live a martyr's life and introduce Jesus into each and every setting as the power of God to save. In Acts, the 19th chapter, verses 1 through 6, you will read there that the Apostle Paul came across some disciples, as he believed. And this is what he said to them. He said, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit since you believed? Well, let me ask you that same question. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit since you believed? You know, you can be born again today, and you should be water baptized. But you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with that power to be a witness, 
That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the ability to be a witness, to live that abandoned life, that disciplined life of sharing Christ with others. How do I know when God wants me to share Christ in a situation? It's that Holy Spirit that nudges me, that nudges us, that encourages us, and then gives us the word. He knows the hearts that are prepared. He knows whether we are sowing a seed or watering a seed or or, are plowing new ground or whether that person is ready for the harvest. This past week, a lady shared with me that she has been witnessing to her brother. She and her brother have had a very difficult relationship for years, very difficult. But she had been witnessing to her brother for a few years here and there. And she decided this week that she was going to, you know, throw all caution to the wind and forget the embarrassment factor, you know, and she was going to do her best to close the deal. And that's what many times, you know, we may not realize people are more ready. They just need us to help them close the deal. And so she started to witness to him again. And then she decided she would ask him to make a decision, you know, and she did, you know, it's time for a decision. Do you want to be saved now? Then pray with me right now. Then pray with me. What is your decision? Not listen to me talk about Jesus, but do you want to be saved? Pray with me now. And he said yes, and she prayed with him, and he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. You know, he's in his, in, in his 50s. Amazing, huh? Of course it's amazing. But we would be surprised many times just how ready and ripe the harvest is. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit since you believed? Well, right now, I'm going to pray for you. You need to be saved. You really should be water baptized. That's what the Apostle Paul did in Acts 19, is he baptized them in the name of Jesus, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, Believed, saved, water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Why not? Why not become a living martyr for the cause of Christ? Let's pray right now. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone listening, sir. Lord, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would come upon them, Father. Lord, I pray, first of all, God, that they would give their heart and their life to you and ask you to come into their life and save their souls, Lord. I pray, God, that as soon as they get an opportunity, Lord, they would submit themselves to water baptism, God. And, and Lord, take that old man down into the grave, Lord, and be raised to walk in the newness of life, cleansing their conscience, Lord, from the sins of the past, Lord, and stopping the haunting voices and those enemies that would chase them from an old life, Lord, and have them buried in that watery grave. And, Father, I pray that, God, they would call upon you to fill them, Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill them now, sir. Lord, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the ability to be a witness, a living martyr for the cause of Christ and for the church of our Savior. I ask that, sir, in the name of Jesus. Amen.